Greetings in Christ's name to each of you. It's good to be here this morning, worship together. We've been blessed already. I was noticing that one line of that song that we just sang um, in this blessed quietness, uh, clamoring cease. I trust that that is the case for each one of us this morning, that we are, our clamorings are at least down to a low roar, uh, outside distractions, and that we can worship together. I, I think there's a part that we play in, in allowing that to happen to us, and trust that is the case. I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 for a message this morning. I want to be looking at the first 11 verses of Hebrews chapter 4. The uh, topic this morning is finding rest in Jesus. Rest is a beautiful thing. When you're tired, it's good to rest. Uh, It was very tired Friday night. Uh, We had a minister's meeting that ran kind of late and we got home and I couldn't get quite get quietened down for a while. It took a while to get to, get to resting. And I uh, don't normally sleep in, but uh, I was in bed till almost 8 o'clock, I think. Next morning, I told my wife, need to kick me out if I do that again. Uh, rest, we're finding rest in Jesus. Cleland McAfee was a... Uh, a pastor, a songwriter, uh, who had a unique way of sharing he with his church. He would, uh, every quarter he had a theme that he would share on for their communion service. They had a communion service every three months. And he, he would write a song for that communion service to share along with the communion message. And he was, he was uh, preparing for that message and, and uh, working on it when he got the word that his two nieces uh, died suddenly. Uh, and uh, they died of diphtheria. I'm not sure what all that involved, but over a couple of days they, they, uh, they passed away. And their heartbroken parents would have been, of obviously, his brother or sister, I'm not sure which, and... Uh, they asked the young pastor, this Cleland McAfee, to preach the funeral message. And uh, he consented to do that. While he was working on that, he kept trying to work on his song and his communion message, and it just wasn't happening. He, he just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get rest for his spirit. And he was talking to himself one day, you know, if I could only... If I could only get close to God, he said, we can find peace and rest as we get close to God. And he was talking to himself, he says, we can find peace and comfort near to the heart of God. And soon the words of a song started coming up in his, in his, in his heart, in his mind. He says, uh, there's peace near to the heart of God. And, and the, the words started flowing. And by the time he was finished, Cleland McAfee had written one of the most comforting of all Christian hymns, Near to the Heart of God. 
And on the morning of the, uh, the funeral, his choir sang that song for his two little nieces as they uh, had that funeral service. I'd like just to, to begin by trying to define just a little bit what rest is. And I, uh, I have a dictionary definition to share, and we want to talk about it just a little bit more. Rest is a refreshing ease or inactivity after exertion or labor. That would be a physical type of rest. It is a relief or freedom. Uh, especially from anything that was uh, troubles uh, from exertion or labor, relief or freedom, especially from anything that troubles or disturbs. It's a period or interval of inactivity, repose, solitude, or tranquility. And the final definition is that it's a mental or spiritual calm. Rest to each one of us means different things. I I think that uh, there's quite a variation of what rest, when you think about rest, what does it mean to you? To some of us, it's just slowing down, maybe a change of speed, a change of pace. Maybe it's contentment. These bring rest to us or bring ideas of rest, relaxation or peace. Maybe it is just giving up. Maybe it's giving over, giving way uh, is rest. What, is it, what does it mean to you to rest? And uh, I was thinking about that as I was meditating this morning on the messages. To me, it involves probably security. Security to me is one of the biggest uh, aspects of rest. What rest really is, is security. I'd like to have you think of that as we read our text together, Hebrews 4. And I invite you to stand together as we read Hebrews chapter 4. The first 11 verses. I'm going to read from the NIV NIV this morning. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today. When a long time later he spoke through David, it was said before, as it was said before, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. You may be seated.
Brother Joe, would you try a different set of lights up here? Turn one off and the other. This one is kind of flickering pretty bad. Thank you. What is the promised rest that Hebrews talks about? What is he promising to them? Is it physical rest? And the answer, of course, is not. It's not necessarily physical rest. Physical rest is an illustration of of spiritual rest, but it's not actually that. It, It can promote spiritual rest. But the rest that he's referring to in Hebrews 4 is that um, that rest that only can, can only be gotten through um, a, a spiritual connection to God, a spiritual rest in God. He says in verse 4 of our text, For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in those words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. There is a physical aspect to it, but it is more a spiritual one. We can rest physically, and most of you are today uh, resting, but we can be totally not at rest in our hearts and in our spirits. We can be working hard physically and be at rest in our spirit. The two are not directly connected, so it is not necessarily a physical rest Then you might ask, is it material security? And the answer again is no. Uh, Our text says that that, uh, Joshua led the children of Israel into the land of plenty, and it was supposed to be a land of rest. But it didn't accomplish that for them either. Verse 7 of our text says, Therefore God again in a certain day calling it today, When a long time later, he spoke through David, as was said before, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So the people of Israel, even though they were at rest, in a sense, in their own land, they were not experiencing that deeper spiritual rest. A key is verse 10. If you have your Bibles open, look at our text. Verse 10, it says, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. The impression I get from this passage is that the rest that we experience in Christ is something that we learn to do. It is something that we will need to exercise ourselves in, in that we learn to rest in Christ. Uh, He keeps telling us that we need to enter that rest. If we needed physical rest, we can take a nap. If we needed emotional rest, we can take a vacation. If we want to obtain spiritual rest, we'll need to do something a lot more than either one of those. And it, it, um, it requires entering in the rest that, that Christ gives. Our personal walk with Christ is not a short-term thing. I... Uh, 
Our, our rest, our experience is, is for the long haul. I don't know if you've ever uh, tried to run a long distance. I do that some. I, I run and I find that the best thing is to do what we call intervals, is to back off. You're, you're, you're expending a lot of effort and then you need to back off. And no, you're not sitting down, but it's a, it is a rest. It's, it's a way of, of recharging. It's a way of resting. And uh, as a Christian, we need to be able to, in the midst of our labor, in the midst of our uh, marathon, we need to be able to back off and rest in Christ. And I want to talk this morning just a bit about that. Rest in the completed work of Christ. The invitation is a very familiar one, and we're going to... uh, spend the rest of the message this morning talking about that. The invitation that Christ gave in the book of Matthew is, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I'd like to read that also from a, uh, another translation. The uh, New Living Translation gives us another rendering of it. For Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy lo- burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. That is the invitation that Christ extends, I think, to all of us, is the invitation to come to me, and I will give you rest. The first part says, come to me. And if we want to experience spiritual rest today, we need to come to Christ. We need to come to him. We could practice all kinds of other techniques as in trying to unclutter our minds, and that may be useful. But coming to Christ is where we'll find rest. It's not a certain place that is restful, although that can be helpful. It's not a certain group of people who are easy to be with. It's not even revisiting a certain experience in the past. It's not even necessarily a certain frame of mind, but it is coming to Christ that brings us rest. Spiritual rest is is in coming to Christ. The word picture I'd like to use this morning is that of a compass. And I got the uh, idea for that from a quote from Charles Spurgeon I want to share with you. Charles Spurgeon says, The needle that hath been touched with the lodestone may be shaken and agitated, but it never rests until it turns toward the pole. As a youngster, we would be able, we would, as a science project, we would take and magnetize a needle. We would take a permanent magnet and simply stroke a needle with it. And it, all you had to do was stroke that little little pin or that needle with this permanent magnet, and it became magnetized. 
And if you put it on a gimbal or a free-floating uh, axis of some type, it would point toward the north as soon as it was magnetized. And Charles Spurgeon says, Thus our heart's affection, when once magnetized by the love of Christ, find no rest except they turn to him. The cares and labors of the day may carry the thoughts to other objects, even as a finger may turn the needle to the east or west, but no sooner is the pressure removed than the thoughts fly to the well-beloved just as the needle moves to its place. We are unable to rest anywhere but in Jesus. I found that a blessing, a word picture, that once I've been magnetized, once I have received Christ, I am no longer at rest until I again point toward the pole. There is no rest out there for the believer other than in Christ. You will not find any rest. I am not entirely proud of my heritage and all aspects. I have some aunts and uncles that sing a song, and and I wish I could sing a little bit of it for you this morning. I won't. The song goes something like this. There's nothing out there for a soul that once knows has known God. There's nothing out there for a soul that's once known God. Once you've known God, there's nothing out there in which you can feel happy in. You'll never, ever be happy in any other pursuit but that you're once again pointing toward the pole, pointing to Christ. And that's where Christ's invitation is is so poignant for us. He says, come to me. We're not at ease until we're headed toward Christ. It's a relationship with and pointed toward Christ. His arms are extended to each one of us. It's an invitation and it's a gentle command, I think, as well. And it's a life-changing instruction for all of us is to come to me. It's not hold still, although that may be helpful. It's not just give it time. Time heals all wounds. No, that's not necessarily true. It is come to me. Come to me. Allow allow your life to point back to the one who has magnetized you. And the invitation is to all who are weary. Come to Jesus. The, um, the original word in, in Greek would mean to feel fatigue. Those who are feeling fatigue, those who are tired to the bone, those who are experiencing a weariness of the soul, come to Christ. Trying so hard to hold things together, trying so hard to do right. Tired of working in our own strength, weary in well-doing, weary with effort maybe even feeling just a little bit ready to give up. We will not experience the rest that Christ intends for the long haul until we, again, turn our focus to him, turn our attention to to Christ. You know, I read the story of this hound dog that had his leash caught in the door of his owner's car and the owner didn't forgot about the dog and, and took off. 
down the road. And the dog tried his best to keep up. And the officer who spotted the dog flagged down the car and got him stopped and, and uh, Skippy wasn't hurt. But he said he, he was observing this dog. He said the dog was lifting him up and putting him down as fast as he could. You know, and that describes us sometimes. We're, we're picking him up and putting him down. And we're not finding that rest that we should have. Those who are weary. Those who are burdened. Um, the, the, the invitation out of, in Matthew 11 is, is those who are burdened. And it's a different uh, term here. It's forizzo. It means to load up. Those who are loaded up, weighted down, carrying a heavy load, having taken on more than is comfortable for them, those who are feeling pressure, those who are feeling stress, those who are worried. I don't know if that uh, touches base with any of you this morning, those who are burdened down. I know it's, it's easy to, to carry a load, to carry quite a load. And to feel just feel feel squashed by by what we're what what we've somehow gotten ourselves under. The invitation is to to come to Him, those who are burdened. And the uh, the promise is very very straightforward. He says, "I will give you rest." He doesn't intend for us to to live a life of being harried. He doesn't. Christ doesn't intend for us to live a life of, of constant uh, hassle where we can't rest, where we can't rest in him. Yeah, we may be extremely busy. Some of us have seasons in our lives where we're extremely busy. We're extremely busy. Those others of us who are kind of getting over the hill a little bit maybe aren't quite as busy, but we, we, we can still rest in the midst of that. As a Christian, we can focus on Christ and there is rest there. The second aspect of that invitation is, is to accept my yoke. And uh, I think of a yoke as being uh, something that, that would have two people in it. Uh, most of the yokes that we would think of would be that way. I'm not sure if that's entirely all that he was trying to convey, that Christ was trying to convey. But I'll share a quote from, from a J.H. Jowett. He says, The fatal mistake for the believer is to seek to bear life's load in a single collar. God never intended man to carry his burden alone. Christ, therefore, deals only in yokes. A yoke is a neck harness for two. And the Lord himself pleads to be one of the two. He wants to share the labor of any galling task. The secret of peace and victory in the Christian life is found in putting off the taxing collar of self and accepting the master's relaxing yoke. There are many yokes out there that you could put on, by the way. There are yokes that, uh, that are very constricting, very... Um, very tough, but Christ's yoke is not that way. 
It's a relationship that we have with Christ. It's an extension of who Jesus is. And the term here is a well-fitted yoke or an easy yoke. I don't know that we always get that connection, but the term easy there in the King James would be a well-fitted yoke, a yoke that is meant for us. It's a yoke that he puts on us that, that fits well for us. And uh, it is not tended to be bondage, but it's, it, it tend, it's a way to harness us in a relationship with him. And it speaks of three things this morning quickly that, that I think that yoke talks to me about. First of all, it's a connection um, to Christ. It's uh, be with me. It's made for two, not one. We are not uh, to go through life by ourselves. We are to be connected with Christ. And the, uh, the load is always easier to bear as we're connected to Christ. So the yoke does give us some connection. As we accept that yoke, it gives us a connection to Christ. And uh, it's, it's, it is necessary if we're going to live out our Christian life. Secondly, it speaks of a direction. As we're walking with Christ in a common yoke, we are receiving direction from him as to where we should be going. You know, we ask for direction, but we don't want to put on the yoke sometimes. And that's that's an impossibility. Uh, Christ gives us directions as we're willing to put on his yoke and walk with him. You know, we want direction, but we don't want constriction. But the yoke actually gives us a, a place that we can walk and provides direction for it as we're willing to to walk with Christ. We can't go our own way if we're yoked to, to him. It's forward motion, moving together. And thirdly, it speaks of cooperation. Work with me. We're, it's his work in the end, actually. It's his, his plan, and we're working with him. Take his yoke. Walk with him. It's an, it's an easy yoke as we walk together. And the more I learn from my Christian experiences, I, I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to be anywhere else. You know, we, we rebel sometimes against his yoke. And we somehow feel that it's constricting, but it's not. There's, there's, there's a tremendous freedom in walking. In his path. There's a tremendous freedom in walking where he wants us to go. There's really, it's really not constricting when you get down to it. It's, it's walking where he wants me to be. And there's a tremendous contentment in that as we learn to do that. And it's, it's something we learn to do. It's not something where he grabs us and puts a yoke on us. It's when we take that yoke and, and we, we, we buckle up, if we will, with, with him. Uh, it provides direction for us and connection and, and, and uh, there's a cooperation. Um, we're all familiar with that, that uh, scripture, Romans 12, 1, verses 1 and 2, where it talks about seeking God's will. 
and I can't quote it exactly, but it, it talks, you won't know God's will until you really commit to it. Let me turn to that. Uh, Romans, I hadn't planned to share that verse, but um, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And you know, the, the, the thing that I get from that is, it's only as I commit to Him, as I allow that yoke to be placed around my neck, then I will understand where the will of God is. You know, if I'm, if I'm just kind of in the background, just kind of, you know, looking on as a bystander, and I'm not committing to it, I won't understand. I won't be able to go in His path. The third invitation is to learn from me. Come to me, uh, accept my easy yoke, and learn from me. These are all ways that we experience rest. Spiritual rest is to to, uh, accept this invitation. And... uh, there's just a little bit of uh, historical uh, information here that might be helpful to us as we look at what he is saying here. Learn from me. The Jewish boys of that day would, would go to school at a young age. And they would learn at the feet of masters. As young as age six, they would go to school and they would memorize scripture and there were three levels of learning in those days. The first one was called Bet Safar. I can't pronounce that correctly, I'm sure. But they, they would, until six and about ten years old, they would memorize the law. The first five books of Moses, they would memorize that all by heart. These little Jewish boys would memorize that. And they would sit at the feet of the teacher and memorize. And then as they got up to the next level, they would... They would memorize the whole entire Hebrew scripture from 10 until about uh, 15. And then the the upper level was what they called the Bet Midrash, which was when the young men, only a few of which would stay with the master, they would become his disciples. Um, they wouldn't go back to their home and, and assume their, their father's trade. They would stay with the master. And they would walk with him and share his life experience. They would do the things he would do. They would learn through how he reacted to life and the way he lived life. And this in the Hebrew term was often called taking on his yoke, the rabbi's yoke. And that was to learn from him the way that life was to be learned. And I think as Christians, we can, we can take something from that in that we are Christ's disciples. And we experience rest and fulfillment in life as we learn from him. Take my yoke upon you, verse 29, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. 
And what do we learn from our passage? We learn, first of all, his gentleness. He says, I am gentle. We learn the fact that he is a gentle teacher. He he reacts to life in that way. His outlook is that way. His strength under control. He's not cold. He's not harsh. Psalm 18.35 says, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holds me up, and thy greatness, I'm sorry, and thy gentleness hath made me great. As we walk with the Master, we learn to be gentle, as he is gentle. We learn a quiet strength that comes from resting in him. He says also that he is humble, And selfless. And we learn that from the Master as we walk with Him. Our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, Paul writing to the Philippians. He says, Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. I'd like to wrap up this morning with just a challenge to each one of us to find rest in Christ. We all need it. You know, we are in it for the the long haul. I'm more and more realizing that the short term is it doesn't work for me. I, as a young person, I was always just the immediate future. I'm looking toward that. I'm shooting for that. And that's what I'm, you know, this is what I'm going to deal with. But as Christians, it's, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And if I'm going to be successful, if I am going to live a godly life the way God wants for me, I'm going to need to be able to rest in him. I'm going to be in need to be able to refresh myself in him. And he wants that from us. He doesn't want us to be frenetic all the time. Yeah, we have our times of of busyness when we have to move quickly, when we have a lot of things going on. But at the same time, if we want to be successful for the long run, we're going to need to be able to rest. We're going to need to be able to rest in Christ. We're going to need to be able to to relax in our relationship with him, in that easy yoke that he has prepared for us. To be able to move forward and to live that that Christian life. And the invitation is open to us. I encourage each one of you to think about that as you were living out your life when responsibilities start coming at you quickly and uh, you're starting to feel very harried or very flustered, or very uh, just, you know, things don't make sense. Um, The invitation is there to come to Christ and to rest in him, to allow his peace to flood our hearts, to know that he desires to yoke with us and live out our life with us. And, uh, yeah, we're going to make it. We are going to make it. We're going to be able to uh, be successful. God bless you. And we're going to call for a song at this time.